Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. Today tastes like heading out the door and driving into town. It tastes like grabbing snacks and a coke and singing as loud as you can. Today tastes like anything could happen, and it never tasted this good. Summer tastes better with Coca-Cola. Wherever you're going this week, don't forget to grab an ice cold, refreshing Coca-Cola from Seven Eleven. My name is Dave Hanrady and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 53 of the No Encore Music Podcast. Back once again with the boys in the house, the boys at the most, blah, 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 blah. I don't even know how to do the fucking intro anymore, do I? Craig, how's it going? Don't pass me that mic. It's way too hot to handle. <laughs> that was quite the intro. I liked it. I um, shite. You don't care about Chuck Be- Berry being dead? Not really. Okay, well, he just passed away. Colm, you probably care somewhat, do you? A little bit more, okay. yeah. I mean, he was a pioneering figure, I guess, wasn't he? Well, this is the thing. Like John Lennon said that if you wanted to call rock and roll a different name, you should call it Chuck Berry. John Lennon was an asshole. Yeah, but he's also good at music and knew his stuff. Arguable. I would say also oh, Chuck, Chuck Berry was an asshole, by yeah, all accounts. By all accounts, yeah. I mean, we previously talked about him on this pod. I think I brought him up because he he was actually just releasing a new album. Yeah. He kind of much, pretty much completed the album and now he's died. I think I also famously brought him up as being uh, the test case in Finland where they started refunding for bad concerts. Oh yeah, because he went on way too long. Yeah, yeah no, I previously talked about him having cameras in toilets, female toilets of a establishment he owned. Mm. Um, but he did write Johnny B. Good, so you know, okay, modern it? rock and roll. I was just thinking though, because he's clearly a dodgy scale of justice. And if here. R. Kelly gets to like ninety, does he just get all these like New York Times tributes? And I suppose he didn't invent a genre. Although it kind, kind of did with the hip hop odyssey that is, yeah. I was about to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Be- between yeah, the hip hopera of Trapped in the Closet, yeah, and uh, and, what unmitig- else? and unmitigated bangers like Bump and Grind and Ignition Remix. He had more bangers than Chuck Berry, in fairness. He did. 
I feel like we're on perilously thin ice here. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should move on to... Uh, maybe Before we do that, uh, first of all, Colm Regan, hello. Hello. Oh, sorry, Colm. Sorry. And I, was imp- I was implied, it was implied. <laughs> no, no, it's my fault for having such a ramshackle intro. Uh, just to clarify, I'm not, you know... A person has died, and that's sad. Yeah, I just, no, have, I just have no real. I think the thing is that he was. Whatever, the like. weird thing is that in rock music, you don't expect people to live quite that long. So he's like a generation from removed from even the first musical people we got into. Do you know what I mean? Well, it, like, he won't be going to Strad Valley this year. <laughs> Seismic link. I suppose not. No. Will we? Um, no, no, it's sold out. <laughs> yeah, well, yes, it is sold out. Uh, Dave has still not officially uh, rescinded his festival hiatus, anyway. Oh, this but, is true. Uh, yeah, still the, on. The lineup for Electric Picnic has been announced. Headliners are uh, the XX, a tribe called Quest, and Duran Duran. Yeah, now announced kind of just mere hours before we we came on air, we started recording, and I think. Well, the thing was, the tickets sold out just before the lineup came out. Yeah. And everyone on Twitter seems to be quite underwhelmed. But they're still going to go. Yeah, but they're still going to Well, it's the whole experience, well, isn't it? Same old story. And it's our Burning Man. Look, it's a festival. It's a very... Before we get into the rest of the acts, it's a very Electric Picnic-looking festival to me. Uh, the headliners, I think, are quite underwhelming. Although I did see the XX there a few years ago on the main stage before Cigarose, and they were very, very good. They're and good they life. have yeah, more like material, them. you know, and kind of they've added some strings to their bow now, so I think they'll get in very, very well. Um, the second... You know, the kind of semi-main here on one of the days really strikes me as a strange one. Pete Tong performing I Beat the Classics with the 60-piece Heritage Orchestra. That reads like something off a parody poster. I'm kind of intrigued. This is the thing. It's actually got, like, really big reviews. And I think as well, probably influencing the Electric Picnic on this choice was the fact that they did Jenny Green and the RTE Orchestra doing a thing yeah. at the Electric Arena on the Friday How last year. How do you year. top Jenny Green? <laughs> Pete, Pete Tong. Tong. Well, you know what? It... Like, that went down as one of the highlights of the festival for a lot of people, so I presume they just thought, you know, well, that worked last year. This will work this time. But, yeah, I mean, like, even Pete Tong, Tribe Called Quest, Duran Duran, like, the Shaka Khan is another one of those kind of, like, second-tier acts here. Yeah. Um, like, there's no doubt that they're going for an older crowd. But they're going to get a mix of old and young because it's a festival. Oh, now, granted, course. there has been some distancing and there has been some, I suppose, you know, a tonal kind of identity shifting in terms of longitude as you know your kind of post leaving search before college festival mm-hmm. and this as your I guess the mean age is probably you know 47 years of age or something and it's reflected and that's fine but also the fact that it sells out instantly just makes you wonder why bother why bother and like you know like the, the, booking uh, anyone booking, like, you <laughs> oh, know, yeah. like, like you could have anyone this fucking yeah, th- there's zero motivation now to go out and get anybody good so it's just surely. become the default big festival when it's really kind of, it seems from this, it's resting on its laurels. I mean, you look at some of the other things that are taking place around the country, and there's no, you wouldn't be like, this is a prestige festival. Ah, uh, well, I will say now that, like, for me, like, this was especially apparent last year, where even though I was underwhelmed, like, for instance, on the Sunday, where New Order and Lana Del Rey were the headliners, and you were like, meh, like, it, it was kind of rubbish. But the rest of the day was stacked from, like, 3 p.m. onwards. So and what so, you're saying is strength and depth. The squad is good. Pretty much, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. They've got a, they've got a good bench here. Like, um, <laughs> no, but seriously, like you look through like Interpol, Run the Jewels, London Grammar, Vince Staples, Young Fathers, Japan Droids, Perfume Genius, Parquet Courts. Like already, all be you can see, see at least yeah. three or four or five bands per day by the time this lineup is fully filled out. I that guess are actually worth going for. I guess I just missed the whole Duran Duran are back and everybody loves Father them John thing. Misty. I forgot on that list. Oh, well. of course, yeah. I did forget Father John Misty. How uh, could we? His new album, I've heard by the way. Oh, Ooh. 
tell us more. And we'll talk about that pretty soon. Oh, such a tease. But uh, yeah, it's quite long. But uh, you <laughs> know, aren't, aren't most albums these days? They are, yeah. Uh, Interpol on this one, like I mean, like I remember going down to Picnic a few years ago and surprising you guys because you didn't know I was coming. Yes. In a great moment of friendship and, I don't know, loyalty or something. I don't fucking know. But So basically, Interpol played that day for about an hour in the sun and I'd seen them earlier in the year in the Olympia and it was like two different bands. It, like, it, it, was, a, it was a kickabout. It was a friendly exhibition match for them in, in Leash and I guess uh, that's... But that, that's the nature of a festival. Sure. And I find that like... It's one of the reasons, one of the many reasons why I kind of swore off as well was because I was just like, yeah, you know, like these acts come over and they do their bit and they get off stage and whatever. If you saw it, you saw it. If you didn't, you didn't. There's no one here with the exception of maybe Vince Staples and Father John Misty. And I guess, you know, I'd like to see Young Fathers in, you know, an indoor venue before they, you know, stick to the festival circuit for the rest of their days uh, but there's no one here where I'm like oh no you know I'm like oh, oh damn it like oh, oh I have to be there like, like, like I'm just like yeah I mean this is fine I suppose and it'll it'll have names added I was surprised that Lord wasn't there that was heavily rumoured sure. yeah and it would also you know kind of would have been something of an event I think right I mean I, there's always a chance that you know you're gonna have like I mean I don't think she would have been at full headliner status anyway I think she would be would she I think so. I mean, like, like picnics are a hard she's, one to call. She's big, big as the XX. She's pretty big. Um, yeah, getting bigger with the relentlessly annoying campaign that's out for a moment where she's the new Sylvia Plath. Yeah, fucking sick of it already. Like, I think really, yeah, if this lineup is going to work, it's going to be just by pure numbers game, where there's going to be you know a ton of people that you want to see on a given day. Yeah, rather than. Some one oh, there's gonna, artist there's, there's that's gonna going be people to just be like, the you know, must see. There's going to be people like refreshing Clash Finder with sweat trickling down their face for this one for sure. <laughs> just hang out in the minefields. That's my advice. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, it will be strange. That's how we spend half anyway. our festivals anyway. <laughs> Tickets, of course, are already selling for you know upwards of like four hundred quid at the time of recording. I'm sure mm-hmm. that'll, that'll go up to a nice four figure sum by the time the festival rolls around because the touts I thought are... you were going to say by the time this is released. <laughs> no, no. Well, it could. We've got a Zimbabwean <laughs> level of inflation. <laughs> yeah, anything could happen. Uh, but yeah, of course, I mean, like a lot of the, a, a lot of tickets went up on Seatwave shortly after it was officially sold out. But uh, yeah, I mean, again, it's just like, it's a festival and it sells itself and, you know, it's whatever. You know, like, I'm not going to go. Fair enough. Such a surprise. Yeah. Um, moving on elsewhere. Um, poor Laura Mvula. What a name, by the way. It's a great name. It's isn't the it? kind of name like like I just perennially think that she's on Jules Holland all the time. Yeah. Because you can just imagine him being like, and of course, welcome Laura Mvula. Yeah. Like, just, like, just after C6 Steve has charmed everyone all over again. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> or what, two or strings on his guitars with his lies. Dead was last string. Was he not exposed as like a mad lawyer? Oh was yeah, he? absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. he was still in the hoot nanny last year. Yeah, he was never a hobo at all. Like yeah. he was a jobbing session musician. Oh, and shit. Like, yeah, yeah. That's a whole thing. It's a yeah. whole. Oh, he's yeah. he's like an old father John Misty. It's just <laughs> a character. Who I heard is not even a priest. Um, but yeah, Graham Norton is the other place that I always picture Laura and Vula in my head. Yeah. Perched on the edge, edge, edge of the couch. She just has this kind of weird, like, chat, yeah, I guess chat show kind of roundtable music thing and also an ebullient host saying her name. Yeah. But, uh, uh, she, it turns out she's a very naive woman. Yeah, well, unfortunately, yeah, she doesn't have a contract. Um, she found out that she was dropped by Sony uh, via email. And indeed, a forwarded email that was only only seven lines long. I don't see the problem with the length of the email here. I think it gets the message across pretty quick. Yeah. It dropped. Frankly, I think if it's any longer, it just becomes patronizing, doesn't it? It would be weird. 
Yeah, seven lines. Like, like yeah. that's a lot. It's not you, it's us. <laughs> like, we well, just want different things, Laura. But she basically goes on to say that you know when she was signed up, she was promised the world and she was treated like a member of family, and you know thought she had like all this great love behind her, and then you know I guess her record sales were disappointing, and then she was dropped. It's like, don't get me wrong, I'm sure that's a horrible thing to happen, but come on. Yeah, yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that she went through like an incredibly rough patch between two albums um, where she developed like intense anxiety where she could never even be left alone in a room. And writing her second album was a huge struggle. Um, I had the chance to interview her last year. So I don't just have an encyclopedic knowledge of Laura yeah. and Vula. But I think that at that point she was actually getting a lot of support from the record label as she would obviously need in a situation like that. So I think that's kind of why she felt kind of blindsided by it. Yeah, but just nonetheless... To, that's pretty bad. Yeah. It's but it has poor. all the marks of just like, you know, the industry's failing, every man for themselves. Uh, hold on, this isn't selling. Okay, just lose that phone number. <laughs> Let's move yeah. on to the next thing we can Completely, scrabble towards. Yeah. yeah, and that does suck, but it's also, you know, indicative of the world that she kind of entered into. She described it as a huge wake-up call, and it'll be interesting to see what she does next in terms of this. But yeah, yeah she'll be fine. Like, I don't mean to say her. don't need a record like, it, you know, she says the album culture is momentum, please, when's the next record coming? And it's like, I feel like a lot of acts would avoid record labels for this reason. Like, you know, if you want to be, if you want to be the kind of artist that is very, like, is niche and, you know, is considered and you have your craft, the chances are, I mean, like, even if you look down the road, like, a lot of different artists, like, a lot of them don't stick to the same label. Like, some of them, like, get a bit of a commercial bump and then all of a sudden they're on these kind of, you know, indie makeshift things that will just about get the record out there yeah. or a lot of self-releasing going on as well because some people are just they're just tired of the whole game and I mean like she doesn't she never struck me as the kind of artist who would be commercially malleable to the extent of like playing an arena or something mm-hmm. I think she's really good and I think she's a great presence but at the same time maybe this would be a fucking positive move yeah I think it might be liberating to be honest and you know old fashioned system she doesn't need it you'll be grand yeah shut up <laughs> moving on to Johnny Rotten the old contrarian himself as, as, as if being <laughs> lied to by C60 wasn't bad enough. Yeah, it turns out John Lydon thinks the Queen is all right. Wouldn't and have had the is... same ring, would it? <laughs> <laughs> Queen is all right. Uh, Harmony in the UK. <laughs> so this this is kind of based on the fact that, you know, the way there was those kind of reports recently that there's actually debt plans that are in place. I suppose we knew this, but they were revealed to the extent of the details that goes into when um, Queen Elizabeth II sadly passes away. Great band name, by the way. <laughs> Which? Death Plans for the Queen. Death, Death Plans, Plans for, for the Queen. It's a great band name. Yeah. Oh, that is solid. Is I like good? That. I like yeah. it. Am I right in saying that those Death Plans include uh, removing all sitcoms from BBC for nine days? It's going to be, yeah, I pity those poor, you know, Bretonians because they're just going to have wall-to-wall coverage of not a lot happening. A bit of Netflix, that'd be grand. <laughs> well, this is true. Yeah, new media. Woo! Don't worry, Laura, you're fine. Um, so, yeah, Johnny was kind of doing a sit-down interview with Quietus and the man who sang and wrote God Save the Queen with the lyrics God Save the Queen she ain't no human being said well actually do you know what I'm gonna miss her I'll miss her as a human being on as a planet fellow Earth. human as a fellow being. human being it's not her fault she was born to a gilded cage and that's that's quite true as well mm-hmm. um, and he kind of goes on to say that the whole point of that song was it was a political message about the whole structure and hierarchy and I think far worse he says I love all the pageantry too I love that last wedding which I mean like if you saw that last wedding it was like 
you know, a flamboyant wedding planner had done the Nuremberg march. Yeah, like, I think he's maybe, if we heard this, him doing his whole kind of camp, like, then he goes on to say, oh, when the planes flew over the palace, it reminded me of World War Two and all those films and how grim it was fighting Nazis. So maybe he'll actually really enjoy the funeral, at least. <laughs> <laughs> But it does eventually come around. I mean, this is kind of just a logical continuation of him being on, like, ads for butter country ads life and butter and just dismantling any kind of punk credibility he has. Let's not forget the time that he dropped the C-bomb on live ITV with Anton Deck. Yeah, he's a little rascal. Even punks <laughs> have rent to pay, it seems. Uh, Colm, I must, I, I must quiz you on this. Uh, did you watch the, that last royal wedding? Like, Was this, like, an event for you? Were you just sitting around Oh no, on no. the couch, big foam finger, Union Jack? <laughs> <laughs> Naturally, yeah, you're tea and crumpets. Come um, on, say I do. I, 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 how do you like? I've, I've never watched one of these things. I, I don't. I, just... like, I don't think. Like, well, I'd hope that not many people would ever watch them through. People do. People <laughs> yeah. do. You reckon Colm comes from a family that had like commemorative plates of like Diana and Charles's wedding and stuff like that? Is that kind of? I Colm, do now. Colm yeah. comes from a family where like we get our own commemorative plates made. Wow, nice. All of my dinners come off the face of my mom and dad. Hairs and grace. 29 years very, ago. Very, very disturbing. That explains a lot. That's really, really upsetting. It's a joke. I hope so. Yeah. But you know what isn't a joke? Tell me, Dave. Ten years, lads. Ten years. This is terrifying. What were we on. doing ten years ago? This week. I was in a nightclub um, being hit in the head by open umbrellas. Because remember, that was a thing for a summer. Well, I, I, th- oh. I, I think I know why. And I think it sounds a little bit. Like this. So that's a undisputed champion pop banger, Umbrella. And uh, no one believes me, but I heard that song before it was big. So yeah, there you go. What window of time was that? Or I was, was it just some Tuesday? Tell me, tell me more, Dave. <laughs> there's not really tell much, me more about not, your life. There's not really much more to tell. Uh, I think I just like saw it on like a poncy uh, hipster music forum before it was like you know massively mainstream. Somehow, come on, you were tuned into Zane Lowe when he dropped. This is the oh, hottest, hottest record, record in, in the world. 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 Uh, I think it's a belter. I think it still stands up, but I've always had a problem with it. And the and that pro- problem is Jay Z. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that to the list. Jay, it's now one hundred. <laughs> it's it is quite simply a terrible guest appearance. Um, and I think as a rapper, and this is you know a lot of people are guilty of this. Jay Z is definitely the worst offender. I mean, he has gone through pop songs, but songs you think are bulletproof. And just made a mockery of them unintentionally yeah, with like his a dose of phoned really, in rubbish. He's taken that bulletproof vest off yeah. quite well. Yeah. As, like, we thought to celebrate Umbrella, because yes. I think it's still worth celebrating. I think it's a great song. We would actually resurrect something we haven't done in quite a while in the No Encore show. It's the Top 10! Hey, welcome back, Top 10. How have you been? So, what I, we were going to do Top 10 Worst Jay-Z Guest Appearances. Which would have been quite easy, but a bit monotonous for the listener, maybe. We might still do it at some point, but we thought it might have been a little bit unfair. So we didn't do that. And we kind of, you know, put, put it out there on Twitter. We had some interesting kind of shouts. Uh, Steve from Windings introduced me to a weird... Uh, Tommy Wynette, wasn't it? Tommy Wynette and, and the KLF, I think it was. <laughs> yeah. And I, I just don't quite that know what I amazing. was. amazing. Uh, yeah, it's really strange. Yeah. Like, it's one of the last things that she did. And it, it's all, there's lots of great shouts. But uh, our top ten, yeah, I feel like we've kind of nailed it. Like, no, I, I think we've covered quite a few bases here now, to be fair. And I don't think you can have like a bad rap 
without having this man on the list. At number 10. Here it is, it moves, slightly transformed again But where did Tatiana Ali spend? I knew her since she was 10 As Fresh Prince from back then I had a sense she would win Whatever click she was in Now she all grown up, not Ashley Mad sexy, true but classy She in the fast lane under my wing Kissing the sky Tatiana Ali, girl you knock me out So, uh, Boy You Knock Me Out By Tatiana yep. Ali Yeah, indeed Featuring Haha! Himself, Will Smith. Of course, given, of course. given his girl a bump uh, from yeah. way back in the Fresh Prince days. Tatiana, I, I was always confused. Smith, yeah. yeah, I was always confused. I just assumed she was the daughter of Muhammad Ali because it's, that's just racist, Greg. No, it's it's boy you knock me out. It's the same surname. She was famous. I was like seven. <laughs> Not seven anymore. You're a journalist. Do you know what? I was listening to it today. Well, I, did, I still don't think that. But anyway, I was listening to it today. It's a, kind of a bit of a jam. It's like oh, a it really is. kind of not a great like Aaliyah ripoff, but it's still quite a jam. Yeah. And then in comes Big Willie style himself. Yeah. Fresh off the plane from Miami. It, it, it <laughs> dropping is, clangers. It is quite disappointing. I have to say as well that um, thinking of Tatiana Ali this week was really, really creepy. Um, because I've, my girlfriend's been watching old episodes of The Fresh Prince, okay. but I only walk into the room when it's happening, you know, like maybe once every three weeks, at which stage, obviously, it's going from her being maybe age seven to age, like, 13 or 14 or 15 or whatever, you know? Yeah. So you could just put a flicker book of her getting dramatically Aging. older every yeah. single time I walk in the room. I mean, Will Smith does have his moments. We all know that Wild Wild West is a banger. You know, like, do. I, I, I got a war for that song, but uh, this is not a good I, one. I feel like he might have been doing her a favor when he appeared on this for all of, you know, whatever. I'd say he was in and out of that studio. Who, oh, like yeah. A flash. yeah it He's in the video. He committed he, to the video. Actually, this is true. He did commit to the video. Um, of course, he r- refreshes our memories about time. the show. <laughs> and he kind of, it's a bit weird because, like, that was his sister in the thing. And he's kind of like, well, she's all grown up and sexy now. And there's this weird, like, kissing noise that I'm just like, blur. really brother and sister. No, I know, but it's still a bit, like, it was a bit of an age it gap. It is blurring the lines, though, to be It fair. is. Okay, let's get emotional at number nine. I'm on the outside. I'm looking in. I can see through you. So yeah, a song that was so emotional, as a matter of fact, that it prompted me to spend 23 Irish pounds on the eventual CD. Device stains break the cycle. Absolutely. Who was selling that for 23 Irish pounds? You've been had, mate. HMV, it was an import. That's why it was 23 Irish pounds. Import! Like they didn't bring it over on the Lusitania. I think I spent about like that amount on the bloody Stone Roses first album, and that was a good album. On New a metal fans were, 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 were seen coming. You know, like it happened. I feel like Stained arrived to, you know, for the more grown-up new metal fans, and was like, here's their kind of heartfelt acoustic songs. You know, this is a real serious, you know, movement mom. But then getting Fred <laughs> Durst on just seems like the worst decision you could possibly make, well, doesn't it? you say that, but this launched them. Like, I mean, like, this was recorded on the Family Values Tour, which is no longer a thing, in which Korn, I think, and Olympus had curated this festival for a few years, and they brought up their own kind of, you know, up-and-coming acts that they wanted to promote. And the fact that Fred Durst sat there with Aaron Lewis and did the acoustic guitar thing and this song went went round on Kerrang TV and on MTV2 and whatever else it broke the band and Stained had actually been a job in band up until that point because of course naturally once once I bought that record I had to get the rest
smashed, right? Yeah. So I went back and I bought, you know, like their second record, Dysfunction, which has an amazing song called Mud Shovel on it, which I love. Mud Shovel. No, it's not. not, I'm a fan. I'm more of a fan of. It's been a while. It's been a while. It's a great song as well. Yeah, it's on the Break the Cycle. I saw them live, man. I saw them at the point. I was a big Stain guy for about um, a year of my life. So. Didn't didn't Aaron Lewis go like very country and very, I love my country? Yes, he did. Yeah. Yes, he did. Big kind of patriot. I'd say he voted for Trump. I believe he also uh, played in the intro for the the guy who lost to Conor McGregor that time when Conor had Sinead O'Connor. Oh, so oh which time? Uh, oh, Chad Mendes. Chad Mendes. I think. Yeah, no, I think you might be right. He also uh, gained a bit of notoriety and popularity for a thing at a festival where during a song he pointed out that he saw a guy in the crowd groping a girl, and like in the middle of his song, he said, "He said if you do that thing again, I'm going to come into that crowd and kick the shit out of you." Okay. So maybe he's an all right guy. Yeah. Him. But what isn't an all right thing is Fred Durst going like Biloxi. It's the real motherfucking deal, yo! In the middle of a heartfelt acoustic emotional Get, get song. your lighters out. Do you know what was feeling those even lighters. worse? He was though. feeling those lighters. Do you know what was even worse? I think the MTV Music Awards, around about that time, Fred Durst brought out Aaron Lewis and they were doing some acoustic numbers like that. And then he brought out Jimmy Page. And Jimmy Page sat with them and they did a heartfelt rendition of Thank You, Led Zeppelin song. And like that was the moment I think Robert Plant was just like, I am not touring the world with you ever again, Jimmy Let's Page. Let's not forget that... Uh, on, I think it was some, was it, maybe it was Hurricane Katrina, it was some, or maybe post 9 11, but there was some big kind of, you know, telephone tribute thing. Yeah. thing and uh, I believe Fred Durst did an acoustic heartfelt version <laughs> of Wish You Were Here. He had, he there was a number on, I think, Chuck and Starfish called something like Hold On, where he was very, like, heartfelt and it's acoustic. It's not a bad song. Yeah, nope. and he did. Yes, I bought that album, of course. Yeah. 22 year pounds again, was it? No, no, no. Uh, that one wasn't uh, imported. So that was just your standard, <laughs> so what like, we're waiting for 16 is, quid. What we're waiting was. for is MTV Unplugged to come back so Fred Durst can do that show. Absolutely. Cool. And they did a cover of Behind Blue Eyes, you know? So, you know, yeah. there's a lot, a lot no one of, knows what it's like to be a sad man. <laughs> Fred Durst does. <laughs> On to number eight, and one that particularly irked Dave two years ago. Hold on, take a minute, love. Because I ain't trying to fucking image up. More than likely mess around the triple cups Stumble round town, pull your zipper up Pants act like I don't care But I ain't trying to fuck your business up And I ain't trying to get you in the stuff But the way you touching on me in the club Rubbing on my miniatures John Hancock, fuck a signature Anytime I hear it, know she finna fall through Yeah, Selena Gomez's Good For You Was Dave's favourite song of the entire year Yes, it was Which obviously means that the intrusion that made it Worse is his worst feature of the year. Hold up, wait a minute, yo. Um, okay, so there is a version of this without him on it, and that's what I had heard first. Yeah, and that's and I remember like hearing it and being like, "Holy shit, this is a great song!" And then it just grew on me and grew on me and grew on me, and I was like, "This is one of the best songs I've heard in a long time." And by the end of the year, in fact, it was my song of the year. And I stand by that. I think it's a fucking brilliant song. Now the album comes out, and I go to review it. And I'm like, okay, here comes good for you. I, I'm looking forward to how this flows in the mix. And then next thing you know, ASAP Rocky just shows up with a really bad verse that adds nothing and subtracts everything. Craig. Yeah, it sounds interesting to me that it was on the album version as opposed to what you heard. Surely they would have just been sticking this out as a kind of lead single to get in the Rocky fans and then make the kind of, you know, non-Rocky song be on the album. I don't know. They're obviously but caught in a rock and hard place because this... Between a Rocky, rocky and, and a hard place. place. Didn't mean yeah. to do it. It's just how good I am, listener. Um, even even on an off day like today. Um, what I would say is they clearly wanted to have the best of both worlds because... 
there are two full-fledged official, you know, on her account videos for this. One oh, with okay. him and one without. But I feel like the good for you thing as a launch of this record was also the launch of Grown Up Selena Gomez. You know, like she's leaving this past behind. She's now a bit sexy and a bit sultry and, you know, a lot more mature. Yeah. And they wanted to showcase I, that with just her carrying the song. I, I think, and it works. Yeah. It's I think, great. I think Big Aesop kind of says in his verse that he's kind of there to, you know, sex the whole thing up a bit. And he really doesn't. I mean... He, brings there, it to, he makes it really... There are tepid. times where I don't need Aesop Rocky featuring on Aesop Rocky tracks, to be fair. Because he's got, <laughs> got some quite good music and he has good taste and he's surrounded by good people. And then he kind of just makes stuff a bit lame. Even mm-hmm. when he's sampling Rod Stewart. Rod Stewart is like... Or Miguel, wasn't it, that did every day, yeah. Just like, that is such an amazing tune. And then Aesop's just dragging it all down. Plus the other great pleasure, good for you in its sort of, you know, like purely Selena Gomez state, is that, uh, you know, you're expecting something to happen and then it doesn't. Yeah. And obviously ASAP Rocky turning up, <laughs> that is something happening. The whole tension of that song is broken. He's a beautiful looking man though, we can give him that. He so, is yeah. a handsome man. Yeah, we objectify men on this podcast, is what we do. Up next, a feature that Cullum insisted was in this top ten. Yeah, I mean, I'm not exactly saying that it's a pop classic by any means, but I think bubblegum pop and a guest rapper is often a terrible idea, and this might be one of the standout examples of its desperateness. Okay, so who are we listening to? Yes. We're listening to Cher Lloyd doing the song, and then Astro. Who is Astro? Pe- I think they, were they both on the same series of X Factor? Mm-hmm. So was Astro Cher Lloyd, by the way, if I may cut your cards for one second, I'm amazed by this. Did she get really big in the states? Because you know, one of her songs, the Risible Swagger Jagger, has like 95 million views on YouTube. This has about 53 million views on YouTube. What did I miss? Because she's not like an arena selling superstar. No. Yeah, no, she got a bit of a bump at the start. I think she still kind of like... has a bit of a career. Am I wrong? Yeah, I mean, I think she, I think she broke America. Did she break America? I think she did. Big in America? I, I, I think she succeeded where, where, mentioned, like, looking where Oasis at Amer- failed and she broke yeah, America. Oh well, America God. looks broken right now, so maybe Cher Lloyd is to blame, yeah. Did she perform at Trump's rally? I don't Maybe Astro did. Um, Whatever became of Astro, because it seems like, was his gimmick just that he was... Eight like years of age? Like the littlest Bow Wow or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, he just kind of is on it because... People again, is it like that kind of Will Smith thing where it's like, oh, people remember fondly watching this on TV? These two get along, yeah. I think there is exactly, yeah, that sort of tie in. It's terrible, like, he's not atrocious, is he? Like, there's also a version a of this in which he's not on it, so uh, know, yeah, okay. predating Selena Gomez and ASAP Rocky, uh, <laughs> you know, they kind of they were ahead of their time here, yeah, yeah. Colm, I don't think this is as bad as you seem to. I ain't saying for a second that it's good. <laughs> my po- my oh point would be that Astro doesn't take this down. This song down any notches, but I'm not saying it's it's up many notches. But <laughs> do you know what I mean? I feel like he fits somehow. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Well, I guess we can definitely say uh, that that's not the case mm. on the next track at number six is Maroon Five with a little visit from Wiz Khalifa. Man, fuck 
that shit. I'll be out spending all this money while you sitting around wondering why it wasn't you who came up from nothing. Made it from the bottom, now when you see me, I'm stunting. And all of my cars are with a push of a button. Telling me I changed since I blew up or whatever you call it. Switch the number to my phone so you never could call it. Don't need my name on my shirt, you can tell it I'm balling. Swish, what a shame, could have got picked. Had a really good game, but you missed your last shot, so you talk about who you see at the time. No. Maroon 5 have the odd good song. Mm-hmm. Yes. Craig and I are huge fans of moves like Oh Jagger. my god, what a song. What's, okay. what's the other one that's good? The other one the, that's the, good. that you really love. Oh, I love uh, Won't Go Home Without that's You. That's a great song. That, that is a good song. Which is a total rip off of The Police. Yeah. But it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. They're good at ripping off The Police. But <laughs> lately in particular, they've had this knack for very cynical, just like get to the top of the Spotify kind of streaming charts songs, and they will always parachute in. A rapper. Yeah, the weekend of Lamar on Don't Wanna Know. That, yeah, yeah, that's pretty poor. Will that be on this list? We don't know. No, it's not. It's not because... <laughs> but we, it's dreadful. It's not because we kind of gave it a kick in when it came out. Yeah, this ago. is we, true. We thought it would be redundant to go over all ground. And also this is worse, somehow. Wiz Khalifa, who of course uh, featured on that Charlie Puth song, which was, you know, the big Fast and Furious 7. See you soon, is it? Uh, See, you, See again, you again. The Paul Walker tribute, one of the biggest songs of last year. And, you know, in much less annoying fashion than this one but this is your classic much like the Kendrick Lamar one like you assume it's being written on the way to the studio oh yeah. god yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh I've got I've what to do today okay well like did he even kind of hang out with the guys there's nothing creative about, about this and it's not even like it, it's just kind of slotted in it seems to be weirdly jammed in where it's slightly off the rhythm and tune like it's it's a dreadful attempt by him it's not just like misplaced it's it's out of position and Poorly written and horrible. It and I'm really not a big is. Wiz fan in general. At I the mean, same time, moments, but. when I hear some of these tracks, like, and I don't know what the creative process is in terms of getting these guys involved as featured artists, but you feel as though they've been tied to a jumping off point <laughs> that in itself is already dooming them. And I think that's clear on this one. I think it's also clear on the next track on the list. Oh, very much so. As we hear Justin Bieber bringing down Nas. On we are. Yeah. She texts me, how's your love life and how are you? I said I'm good. They only get as close as you allow them to. We should be closer together. Warm oceans, better weather. Instead of us playing games forever. She says whatever. I says whatever. Who gets you wetter than a half moon wearer? History sweater. Serendipity when you with me. Swear you love that one thing we did at one time and at one place. Blew your mind. You got my so who would have thought that New York's finest couldn't write a good verse about texting a crush, huh? <laughs> Uh, boardroom riffic, I think, is the term that you're looking for for the for the for these kind of collaborations. And you know what's annoying about this? Purpose is a really good record. I think it's great, and it has the odd dud. This kind of being one of them. But like, okay, how embarrassing is it if on the same record as you, Big Sean does a better verse than you do? Yeah, I mean that, that Big Sean verse, by the way, on um, No Pressure kills. He's got a line where he says, you know, um, oh no, round two again. We've been fighting more than Ryu and Ken. <laughs> and he also says, we've been on and off like the cross lights. I love it. Yeah. This, though, this is not good. No, this is awful. This is awful. I mean, like, why on earth Naz agreed to this? I have no idea. Like, talk about not being in your wheelhouse. <sighs> Can we get the sound of cash <laughs> registers there, please, Alan? Maybe, you know, just I mean... To- Naz was the chosen one. <laughs> what happened? I feel like obviously the last decade or so, I mean, there's been a lot of Naz really not, you know, living up to his 90s, you know, output. And when Naz is very, very good, he's the best. When he's not really trying, he's 
fairly fucking woeful. Like <laughs> he's worse than some of the other things on this, and it's just yeah, it's it's a proper cringe moment, I think, and I just feel bad for him, even though he made it, he's been like a rake load off this. I still feel dreadful. <laughs> Okay, well, we won't give him too much of a kicking because the guy made Illmatic, so, you yes. know, fair enough. Everyone has an off day now, so we still love you. Welcome on the pod anytime. Up next, someone who's not welcome on the pod, Akon. Oh, looks like another club banger. They better hang on when they throw this thing on. Get a little drink on. They gon' flip for the sake on. You can bank on it. Pedicure, manicure, kitty cat claws. The way she climbs up and down them poles. Looking like one of them pretty cat dolls. Turn on the whole move back through my drawers. Steps up stage, didn't think I saw. Creeps up behind. She's like, yeah. I'm like, I know, let's cut to the chase. No time to waste back to my place. Plus, from the club to the crib, it's like a mile away. I'm more like a paddler, shall I say. And plus, I got a pal if he gallows game. In fact, he's the one singing the song that's playing. And he's not welcome, Bob, though, because he invested in a fucking diamond <laughs> mine. <laughs> remember, remember that? Yeah, he won yeah. our list so far, though, in fairness. Top 10 yeah. most strange and uh, regrettable like, rock star investments, or whatever the fuck it was. Diamond mine. Mm. Whoops. Oh. Uh, so, okay. <laughs> See your episode with Red Enemy for more. I think it's that episode, anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, Smack That is, is a terrible song to begin with. Yeah. The only redeeming feature about this is that it gave Eric Roberts some work in the video yeah I love Eric Roberts turning up in a music video it's, it's great, my favourite yeah, to get, get outsmarted by Akon who's yeah. playing a convict but Eminem is the kind of artist who's maybe the most problematic out there I mean you know clearly he's done a lot of great stuff but yeah. when he is bad he is very <laughs> he's nice. very he's worse than very us. bad yeah. indeed he really is and I think it's partially because he feels himself to have that sort of malleable character that can do cartoonish shit, that can do very serious stuff, that mm-hmm. can obviously cover the bases in between. So he probably feels himself kind of enough of a chameleon to just drop into someone else's work and just be like, oh, well, I'll just pick up the rhythm of this straight away. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's real Daniel Day-Lewis. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> because, you know, when he first arrived, he had that kind of comedy edge to him and he just couldn't put a, a you know foot wrong lyrically and he was kind of young and fresh and it was all very exciting. At this stage, we're kind of talking about around Eminem's comeback from a couple of years away, probably. I think this was this was probably around the time of Umbrella because I remember being in dreadful nightclubs when this was on and just going why am I listening to fucking Akon saying smack Craig, that Craig you still go to dreadful nightclubs oh, well this is true yeah but and been at any time was, in the past. was this was this around the time of ass like that as well Probably. This is definitely late 2000s. I mean, I feel like this is 2008, 2009. Every note Eminem struck was the wrong one. That's so horrible. And yeah, it's just... Akon has that thing as well where... I mean, he's got quite like a soulful voice. Not a good voice, but he should be singing about very loving things. So there's something that feels really awful about when he's just like singing Smack That. Because he's like, Smack That, oh. It's like, (laughs) what are you saying, you horrible, horrible man? Diamond miner, you. Um, (laughs) We're into the top three. And this one... This is weird. This is the one that got the most suggestions on Twitter. And it, it, it made its way into my top three. Because this is, this is bad. This is bad. Who knew that the power, the joint combination of OREM and KRS-One would sound quite as terrible as this? Check it out! What are you saying? What are you playing? Who are you obeying? I mean, like, I mean, look, you know, I mean, 
I don't even know. I don't, I don't, I don't even know where to <laughs> I mean, start. Uh, <laughs> like, okay, Ori Amber, one of those bands where, you know, they have the odd strange song. This yeah. might be their oddest and strangest. Yeah, and it's on Out of Time, which is such a good record. It's opening a great fucking record. track. Yeah, it's it's very. It, it feels like them trying to be very right on or something, and just okay. like we're ushering in some hip hop and blah blah blah, and it's weird. I don't know. Um, it yeah, it doesn't work for me whatsoever. I don't think REM should ever be coupled with rap or hip hop in any form, and I feel like, I feel like more recently, you know, prior to them breaking up, they did it with someone else. And again, it was just, why are you doing this? Because Michael Stipe shouldn't be singing next to anything. Like, yeah, it just doesn't work whatsoever. And you're right, Oriam are one of those bands, much like the Beatles, I would say, where even their best records always have this, either it's a zany song or just a weird like misstep where you're just like, this is actually kind of ruining the entire album for me. Yeah, I think they've admitted to that, that themselves. Really, yeah. at times. I mean, they famously yeah, yeah. have disowned Shiny Happy People. They should probably disown this as well. Yeah, and I think Sidewinder Sleeps is another one of those tracks that they look back on and they're just like, why? did we really there are better songs that? than this yeah. yeah to be fair yeah no th- this is truly shocking I mean where they think this fits together this I'm sounds not sure. like they, okay th- th- this sounds like Oriam and KRS-One shared the same rehearsal space it got <laughs> double booked and neither party was willing to back down the yeah. other thing that I, I think this sounds like is that uh, somebody in the R- R- REM management I couldn't get that sentence out there somebody in the REM management got wind that Aerosmith had done something with Run DMC and hopped on the phone and went quick who's available yeah I mean that sounds slightly too cynical for REM but I think it was pretty much the same year as you know Sonic Youth doing stuff with Chuck D which is dreadful as well by the way (laughs) so I think it was just a feeling that people had like in alternative circles that you know what we're going to be subversive and Oriam were getting massive I mean we're just post green they were moving from I mean this is the same record that has losing my religion so essentially they become a stadium band from this point on and they probably thought you know what we're going to expose the general listener to you know random stuff and it doesn't work this genuinely reminded me of uh, Paula Abdul and what is it MC Scat Cat yeah opposites of track yeah. whatever his name is which by the way is actually a bit of fun <laughs> I enjoy that song it's a th- because it's meant to be stupid but yeah. this no 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 you're trying to make some serious statement here about radio listeners or you know the youth of today not for me but another act that tried to make some kind of serious statement about the youth of today and were awarded by having the worst song of 2015 is the prodigy and their mates Sleaford Mods. So that's Ibiza, and I apologise, guys, for putting you through it yet again. But uh, it, it, I've had some distance now from the song, and I went back to it, and I was like, you know what? You know what? You know what? It's worse than I thought it was. <laughs> yeah, it's even terrible. It actually than is. I'm not even saying it for comic effect. It's genuinely worse than I thought it was. I mean, I'll be perfectly honest. I remember when Sleaford Mods broke, and everyone was telling me, like, you know, you should check this out. Like, you know, this is good. This is fresh. This is hot. This is good. Like... There's a, there's a music journalist here in town who keeps reminding me of a description that I gave him of the Sleaford Mods, which is it's like they've mic'd up a homeless hostel. And that is still <laughs> my thought every single time. It's nonsense. It's angry I'm noise. Shocked. I'm, I'm shocked and appalled. shocked into silence there for a second. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's a first. It's terrible. I will. They s- are woeful. Okay, and listen. the prodigy don't help. No, they don't. This is like a horrible statement, but you know, like... 
DJs and Ibiza with their USB sticks. The prodigy railing against, you know, like uh, like rave culture. It's, no one ordered this. No one wants this on USB or not. I've never heard this entire song and I will never hear it. I refuse. You tapped out? I've tapped out. <laughs> I can't blame you. And that's fair. That's fair. So you might be wondering... Uh, as we get to the end of this list, surely the guys are going to reward us with the most obvious, glaring, you know, like undisputed winner. We are. <laughs> Here's Jay Z on Kanye West Monster. Sasquatch, Godzilla, King Kong, Loch Ness, Goblin, Ghoul, a zombie with no conscience. Question, what do these things all have in common? Everybody knows I'm a motherfucking monster. Conquer, stop your, stop your silly nonsense. Nonsense, none of you niggas know where the swamp is. None of you niggas have seen the carnage that I've seen. I still hear things scream in my dreams. Murder, murder, and black convertibles. I kill a block, I murder the avenues. I rape and pillage. To village women and children everybody want to know what my achilles heel is love i don't get enough of it all i get is these vampires and where do you start i guess you start with the love you start- i don't get enough of it <laughs> <laughs> all i get is these vampires and bloodsuckers are, all i get sorry go ahead, are, go are ahead, we go quite on. done <laughs> no no I guess you start with something that we've said a lot, is that Kanye is typically very good at getting good work out of people he's recording with. This is clearly where the friendship started to fall apart. (laughs) I mean, this is just... uh, It's it's so bad. Like, it's shockingly bad. It doesn't make any sense. It's childish, it's juvenile, it's silly, it's really, really unimaginative. It's offensive. You kind of feel like he thinks he was being clever... Uh, you know, like, okay, what's the song called? It's called Monster, is it? Oh, I've got I've it. I've got it. I've <laughs> got it. You wait for it, yay. I've got it. He sounds like a real kind of dinosaur of the genre on this, doesn't Especially he? Especially because Nicki Minaj shows up instantly time. after him. He's destroyed by everyone away. around him. <laughs> and like, <laughs> Colm, you're saying, you know, Kanye usually, and he, I'd say his, his success rate is insane for, you know, collaborators. Jay-Z at this point is like the Teflon Don. You cannot get him onto someone else's track and make him do good work. <laughs> this is one of my, this is like my top three favorite records of all time. It's one of the best rap albums of all time, I think. Someone that isn't as well versed in the genre, and you know, but from what I've heard, and somehow this verse alone nearly destroys the entire LP. <laughs> <laughs> it's the entire album. Yeah. <laughs> well, strong words indeed. Very very Worthy strong words. Winner, then. Hmm? I said worthy winner then. After someone does such yeah, good work as well. I mean, I love Jay-Z, but come on, man. Stick okay. to your own stuff. Okay, okay. I feel like it's time to move on. Yeah, let's move on to uh, some new tracks uh, for this week. And one from Blondie. It's written by... Uh, is it? Dev Hines, yeah. Yes, it Blood is Dev Hines. Blood Orange, who's written this track. And it's called Long Time. It sounds like this. Are you happy? Does it take you a long time? Does it make you upset? Does it make you think everybody wants to be a friend? I can give you a heartbeat. I can give you a friend. I can make you think everybody wants to be Yes, yeah, so that's the new one from Blondie, their album arriving May 5th. Um, a laundry list of collaborators on this record. We already heard uh, a song from, I think it was Dave Sitek, was the first single. This time it's Blood Orange. 
is there still a sense of interest in what we're going to get here? Yes, but uh, at the same time, I feel like Deb Hines was listening to Where the Streets Have No Name quite a bit when he wrote this. No, just me. It has that Ooh, kind, kind of guitar flourishes, and, and shit, even the is vocal it? kind of like the lifting. Like I mean, it, it come, and, you know, it's not an identikit, not yeah. like for like or nothing. But that's just kind of what popped into my head. Uh, I like this more than the initial track, which was lightweight, um, but it was as the song itself was called, a bit of fun. fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, look, you're, Blondie, you're never going to have a comeback single as strong as Maria ever yeah, again. It's true. I don't is know. Anyone, I don't know many people, no, I don't. Yeah, think, yeah. I don't think anybody is because that is just bulletproof and so so good. That you almost wanted to go. You know what? Let's just not release the album I think yeah. that's it Mike drop let's get out of here mm-hmm. job done Blondie are the kind of band now that kind of release albums in order to kind of generate interest to go on a tour and that's alright by me because they're brilliant yeah. I love Blondie uh, they still they still have a uh, pack some punch live Clem Burke is still a great drummer and Debbie Harry still brings it so this was a fun track uh, I think it's a little bit long but it's very enjoyable it's almost when I say a little bit long it's not like it kind of has the same you know kind of pacing and it didn't quite have the lifts I was waiting for, yeah. but at the same time, it's still very enjoyable. Yeah, I'll agree with you there. That's what I was going to say. There was no huge payoff, even if it was catchy enough. But what I like about what Dev Hines has done here is he's just written a Blondie song, really. Yeah, there is it's a little the bit of that, isn't it? Blondie there? they've sounded from the you know stuff we've heard. I mean, you know, kind of rhythmically, you're talking hard of glass. You know, in terms of melody, you're hearing the streets of no name. I'm kind of thinking in those lifts, it's a bit of a Union City Blue thing. Um, but it's fun. I mean, lyrically, it's actually kind of interesting as well. I think it's a good pop song. I mean, when we talked about fun itself, we were kind of like, it seems like there might be something of a good song in there or a few different parts that could work in a good song, but it doesn't really come together. I think this comes together. And while it's not astonishing, it's a good track. I kind of wish it was a bit more 80s tinge, though, in terms of the production. Because you know, like some, yeah. you know like, like some people now have been taking Ariana Grande tracks and Justin Bieber tracks in like 80s. Them, or Especially or when you've got like Blood Orange this, there. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah this that's is, true. It feels like kind of a missed opportunity to not go full yeah. on Yeah, that's kitsch. a good point. Yeah, I mean, at one level, I think, though, that that... That was like Blondie taking that song and attempting to sort of make it their own in a way. There are occasional flourishes here where you feel it's kind of an effort to crowbar in sort of Blondie notes on someone else's work. Um, But yeah, like we still have a vague interest in their next album. And to be fair, with this stage of Blondie's career, that's not a bad result. Definitely, yeah. Uh, someone, though, who is kind of going from strength to strength and just seems to come back with really interesting stuff is Perfume Genius, who I know Craig has spoken to before. Mm. This song is called Slip Away, and it sounds like this. I don't know about you guys, but uh, this was pretty immediate for me. I heard it once and was like, "Yep, this is this takes all the boxes I needed to." It's it's short and sweet and very packed. So yeah, yeah. it's overly packed. Do you think so? Liking. Okay. At like, I mean, this is what two minutes forty five, and it feels like there are links between the sort of very delicate melody, which is beautiful, and the sort of really grandiose big moments. It feels like there's. L- bits to kind of link them and like transition periods or something that might have just been like left on the floor or might have been kind of like the minds changed so to speak but for me it just it hints at something more than it actually achieves the second verse 
seems to lose momentum the second it's been built. Uh, I can't but disagree because I think this is a really, really strong track. I mean, I have a kind of idea of what you're saying, but I love that kind of big thing. This is like a statement and it hangs together well for well for me. I mean, he's been hinting at stuff like this. The last record, uh, Too Bright, was kind of really well reviewed, and he's been it's been amazing to see him. I talked to him years ago now; it's five years ago on his debut, which was very kind of lo-fi, very confessional, just him and the piano. You got and, screwed on the headline, didn't you? I was waiting. Are we going to go there? I was going to end the segment. The wound the hasn't healed. <laughs> yeah, go on. So hold on. Say what? You, yeah, go on. All right. So perfume <laughs> genius. Bit of a sad record. I went with Oh the Despair. Yep. Which is my best work ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, uh, they didn't judge it that way in, nope. in the sub editing department in Hot Press magazine because they went with Smell Season. Smell Season. Yep. Great job, whoever that was. <laughs> Great fucking so job. So upsetting. But yeah, at the time, and speaking to him, he was quite like he was quite you know he wanted to get his music out there but he was shocked that people would be interesting him in Ireland he didn't really have too many airs of graces he just thought I made this little record and it's quite confessional but I don't know how it'll be received and from there he's kind of been trying to become this you know alternative pop star but a pop star and to me this is like an adamant thing rhythmically I mean I love those kind of probably synthetic steel drums that go on and it, melodically there's real gentleness to it as well there's kind of like it reminds me a bit of when Sufjan does electronic stuff, yeah. but more so. Melodically, it is beautiful. Yeah. Like I say, I just I felt it, the dynamics just threw me off a little bit. Yeah, but, um, I, I like that kind of blend. But yeah, maybe it, it's certainly it not going to dissuade me from the record, though. If if there's more stuff like this on it, and especially if it's slightly more fleshed out than the sort of two minute forty five snippet that we've got here. Sure. Well, there you go. Pop stars need to make statements, and they've got my intrigue, and they've got your intrigue, Colin. So, or I say, I should say, they he. Uh, mm. Up next, though. It's the Cranberries. They're back. This song is called Why. Will will that be a self-fulfilling prophecy? Let's find out. So there's a vocal tick that Dolores Reardon does in this one where she kind of whispers. And at first I was like, oh God, this nails on a chalkboard to me. But the more I heard it, the more kind of tuned into its frequency. I think this is a really strong song. Is that where... I don't know what she's actually saying. It sounded to me like tell she was me. saying Darby. She's saying tell And me. I was instantly reminded of Darby O'Gill and the little people. I thought she was saying Jeremy, but I believe she's saying tell me. Oh, there's hence, another... Hence, tell me why. Tell me why. Oh, okay. This is... Look at this unlocking the puzzle for Craig. Uh, listen... I mean, I feel like every week you suggest one of their songs, Dave. I don't know why. I mean, I, b- I believe one week one of the rejected songs was an acoustic cover they did of their own song from about it's not, it's not an acoustic years. cover. It's an acoustic version it's of version. Linger, which is uh, which was <laughs> circulating about two weeks ago, and it was supposed to be a new version of it, but there was some confusion as to whether it was or whether it wasn't. Mainly, though, the reason I was kind of hyping up the cranberries was because because we covered them on, on an episode of the Revisit, which will be coming out pretty soon. Incidentally, don't miss our episode on two thousand and two that dropped a few days ago. With Paul Noonan. From Bellex one telling the world what he really thinks about Damien Rice's first record. Oh, listen, you going tabloid, mate. Yeah, what can I say? It's um, a really good episode, though. But no, uh, is this a really good song? I would say, yeah, it's pretty good. See, I mean, it's forgettable. It's it's fine. I actually can't really give out about it too much. 
But can them you, their, you ever give up with them too much? They're, they're kind of one of those bands. Well, yeah. they kind of, I think at their best, they had some really good songs. I actually, I agree. And they just kind of otherness. They were kind of like an Enya for the rockers a bit, weren't they? They had, you know, they well, like, did that Especially kind of, with Dolores O'Riordan's voice just being yeah. such an iconic well, and listen, Her voice thing. on this is, some of the pronunciations, it's the most Irish thing oh, ever. Yeah. I mean, we're just literally waiting for her to meet Ed Sheeran in a pub and beat him at darts to become like yeah. the epitome of Irishness. I, mean, um, I, I would combine two of your views, though, like it, like it's grand, but it is forgettable. It's a bit like if Dawson's Creek was still going, this to be on the soundtrack. It's a bit kind of sixpence on the richer. It it's not. Nice. Oh, that's harsh. It should be pointed out. I oh, mean, like, on, like they're 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 a different brand of bad. Oh, uh, I don't know. Ten- oh, well, that's like I don't think this is bad. I just think it's yeah. Sorry. Ten years ago, Dolores O'Riordan released a solo album, and it was called "Are You Listening." To which the obvious answer was no. <laughs> and now her big comeback band single is called Why, to which the obvious answer seems why indeed. <laughs> You're doing this to yourself, Dolores. Like, think about it. Yeah. I mean, hey, she'll kill you, man. <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> Let's move on to the next track. Yeah, we've got another track left for this week and it is the new one from Soul Wax one of two that they unveiled this week in fact it's called It Is Always Binary Yeah, another one of those bands announced for EP uh, today. Um, what do we make of this? I think this is great. I, you know, I put up on Twitter and I was like, drums and block apples. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And then someone, I thought you'd like that. Uh, uh, someone, uh, Alex, a listener to the show, hello Alex, replied and said, you know, and not much else. Now, he's not wrong, but I think there is some stuff going on here. And I quite like the overall vibe. It just sounds like a weird kind of, you know... I'm imagining a factory, you know, like everyone's left for the day and a bunch of robots emerge and start fucking around Precisely, on conveyor belts. Yeah. There's something really kind of weird, like, you know, like Metropolis about this. Like, like it's, And it does kind of have enough kind of oddity to it. And even with like the, the way the bass kind of like pivots and kind of distorts towards the end of it. I found myself really charmed by this. Yeah. In, a, in a slightly terrifying way. Yeah, it's a kind way. of like drum-led, like that industrial kind of robotic thing. Which I imagine this is how you want, like this is Kanye's end game. He should make an album is just, of just him rapping over stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, because you love Yeezus, so the next logical step is to just go even more out there. Absolutely. I mean, I, I kind of, I like this. I mean, it's very interesting. Uh, I like the mood of it. I think it was, it would probably be good on like drugs in that warehouse if it was abandoned out of the rave or something like that I don't know I felt at one point it's it was really threatening to go all kind of battles atlas and I was oh, like, yeah, I definitely yeah. had that but Come it never on, quite it never quite off. does that no, no but I still like it I mean like the rhythm is obviously kind of like completely driving force yeah. like, I mean um, but I, I do like those kind of low synths and they're stuff. great like it's, yeah it's almost got a sinister edge to it, it at does. times, like, yeah, and uh, yeah, I like it. And um, those drums, you know, might go without saying, but let's say it, they're fucking great. Yeah, yeah. they are. They're <laughs> like, great. And it's like, I, I feel like I say this a lot about tracks when we kind of don't have the context, but I think this will slot in really well into an time. album. Yeah, like, based yeah. on what we've heard, and they have been kind of dropping singles like quicker than before. And we heard, yeah, we heard, Conditions like, of a Shared Belief also landed this week. And we heard the, the first one, you know, Transy Programs through Drums and Machinery. It does sound like a concept record about, yeah, robots going nuts in the factory <laughs> after everyone's left for the day. If you see that in a review. all down for that. If you See that in someone else's review, if you see that in someone else's review, they stole it from me. So you let me know, listener. 
All right. Um, last week, we talked about uh, Charlie XCX uh, releasing a quote-unquote mixtape, which we kind of said, well, why isn't it an album? Well, little did we know we were starting uh, with the first of a running segment called When is an Album? Not an Album. Installment <laughs> number two, it's Drake and more life. Sounds like this. I know the question rhetorical. I took the team play from Oracle. Mama never used to cook much. Used to Chef KD. Now me and Chef KD. Bet on shop for 20 G's. I brought the game to his knees. I ain't make too much these days to ever say poor me. Where you at? I never see you. Free smoke, free smoke, ayy. Free smoke, free smoke, ayy. Free smoke, free smoke, ayy. Niggas move so waste. Please come outside the house and show yourself so I can say it to your face. It's bound to happen, man. It's gotta happen now, so let's just get it out the way. Yeah, when it's an album, not an album installment too when well, it's a playlist. Um Yeah. Like let's just tackle this straight out the box. Like why? Why is it a playlist? Yeah. Well, because I think I mean I don't want to call Drake calculated, <laughs> but I feel like, you know, the reaction to views last year and which was a terrible, terrible, terrible record. And he didn't quite not know what to do creatively. He was working on his stuff. I don't think he wanted to come back with an immediate kind of you know, official follow-up. He's been talking about this for months as, listen, this is just something I'm putting together and I'm going to go away for a while. And I think this is a very kind of shrewd move in terms of lowering expectations while getting kind of more, of the, more of the same kind of it to a certain extent. But I will say, I mean, it, f- first of all, it's definitely an album. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, look, I mean, he is previous <laughs> yeah. on this. Like, he called, if you're reading this, is too late. Yes, a exactly. Mixtape, a mixtape, yeah. But he charged for I mean, it. we've had these, not arguments, because we're just all so baffled. There's nothing to argue about. We're kind of you know it, it really doesn't matter what we have is 22 tracks yeah. essentially you see I mean like I, I think I, I, you, like we have 22 tracks and we probably have about 10 disparate ideas uh, throughout the record and I, I think maybe that's why it's a playlist because I don't think A like it has anything like a cohesion that he would consider an album to need yeah. and secondly I'd say he's drawing on a lot of other people's ideas that, oh you know, no! Really? Well, no, but I mean, as in, like, in a really un- unapologetic way. I mean, like, there yeah. there are literally songs that he's just given to other people here. Like, Sampha does one just completely so, which is really good because Skepta does just one very solo. Yeah, I mean, that's not to say that the tracks that Drake pops up on are necessarily bad. I quite enjoyed oh. this record. I quite enjoyed half of this record. I and mean, I kind of enjoyed quite a lot of this record as wow. well. There we go. <laughs> Who would have thought? I said it before we recorded. No, I'm interested to hear what the guys say. Honestly, it seems to me that Drake might be slightly more self-aware than we gave him credit oh, for. Oh, no, 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 no. He's always been self-aware. I mean, it's never been a question of intelligence or perception with him. It's just been a question of quality control, I feel. And I think that putting out 22 tracks still has that problem. It's too many. It's just too many. Because the problem with this record is the goodwill I have for it, and the goodwill actually I have for it does increase with each listen, but then I get 10 tracks in, and I'm like, oh, man, you're losing me. And then he loses me. Because, I mean, like, let's just look at it for, like from this point of view, right? Skepta shows up in track 10. It's actually called Skepta Interlude. And I genuinely thought it was a parody. I genuinely thought it was someone doing a really bad impression of Skepta. Because it's bad. It is bad. And then it gets worse. Because Portland comes in. And that might be the worst song I've heard in about five years. The most irritating, like horrible, weird Pied Piper background. I really like that little oh Pied Piper. God, I enjoyed yeah. that. Oh I thought that was God. a jam. Like it reminds me? me of you know that kind of music that those like wooden flutes they play when someone goes to like the jungle to yeah. take ayahuasca. It has that kind of like tribal <laughs> thing going on. <laughs> oh, hang on, hang on. 
Have you ever gone to a jungle and taken ayahuasca? No, but I hear tell. That, at least and that four-night Malawi, mate, just changed his <laughs> life. jungle. Hidden depths. Okay, look. Uh, on the positive, because I've been a fierce critic of, Gre- of Drake, Drake before, mm-hmm. because, okay, that gig I went to, I wanted it to be good, and I was just like, apart from showmanship, I didn't really get it. And I think Views is just a really sl- a big slog of a record. Oh, it is. There's enough going on here, though, where I'm like, you know what, I'm going to do a Craig on this, I think, perhaps, and just make my own version of this album. And if it's a playlist, surely he'd appreciate sure, that. Of course. And, and endorse it, because, I mean, it does. It starts off very well. Like, it actually, like, I, I think it starts it does, off really strong. I mean, I mean, this is why I say, like, you know, that I genuinely think there's a self awareness and the sense of humour on this album I mean yeah. like he checks it at the very end I think it is when he says uh, what is it like you know when I, was, I was an angry youth when I was writing views saw a side to myself that I just never knew and like there's even that message from his uh, phone message from his mom which is a bit like he just heard Frank Ocean's yeah, record yeah, yeah, that, yeah that's a problem that shouldn't be there <laughs> well, no, but <laughs> that's too the same, soon no but at the same time the phone message is literally like you're stop asshole, yeah. moaning like yeah. you're, a, you're a bit of a dickhead yeah. and he seems to realise that but like at the same time, it doesn't completely change, but there's that great lyric in the first song about drunk texting J-Lo, which is like just a quintessentially Drake lyric, but at the same time, it's funny and it's clever, and you're like, okay. Yeah, but like even his jokes are kind of like, you see the setup coming like months in advance at this point, because like even when he was on Instagram, whatever, taking photos of him and J-Lo, did we really believe they were a proper couple? No. Like they work together, I fully expect there to be a single like he's even looking at the camera, like, "Yeah, this is my next publicity stunt." <laughs> and sure enough, oh, he's lost her number now, has he? Well, Jennifer Lopez actually has a like one of the more interesting aspects of this record, in as much as on the track "Teenage Fever," yeah, oh, yeah. good sample. When they well sample slash cover of her debut single, "If You Had My Love," mm-hmm. which uh, is one of the best things on this record, which again makes you kind of go, "Well, then the record can't be that good, can it?" But there is enough here which I, I'm interested in, and I do think it has a very good opening run. I think Sampha is very good. I think Lil Wayne is effective in his very small kind of cameo. The track with Kanye is good, Glow. Yeah. yeah. It kind of I doesn't mean, really go anywhere. But much, no, I, I think it is a good track. It is a good track. It's yeah, a bit insubstantial, but it's enjoyable, and it's it. Yeah, I, lo- I like Kanye on it. No. Shock horror. <laughs> there is a... There, there's something we need to talk about, guys. Okay. Drake's gone grime. Yeah, a little bit. He's using the word waste man. Well, no, to be fair, yeah. Now, here's... There is... Okay, this is the thing because actually a lot of people have been talking about when is it? When does this suddenly become He's cultural in an appro- appropriation, right? And particularly with the dancehall on the last record, which is here again. Oh yeah, and um, there's Afrobeat, and there's just. Everything that clip that keeps record. playing of him from an award show where he's just like something don't come up my head man or something but it seems like a very thing I'm just going to slip into this accent now now I've been doing a bit of reading mm-hmm. and apparently the six Toronto has a lot of kind of Caribbean influences so actually that Jamaican patois I believe it is yep which is heavily in grime it's kind of apparently fair game and Drake would have been well versed in it now what where that doesn't stand up to me is that we haven't seen a lot of it from him in the past. It also doesn't stand up when he actually breaks it halfway through the song, yeah. where he goes to say ting and ends up putting in the and H the thing just is, out of habit. The thing is that he sounds like someone's like uncool dad trying yeah. to fit in with the culture, like he just can't really pull it off. But I actually think sonically, 
some of those influences work really well. I like him dragging it to the UK, and sometimes it sounds like you're kind of, you know, under underneath a kind of railway station or something that has that really kind of late night vibe. And then some of the Caribbean stuff is quite nice. And there's kind of bits of like one of my favorite songs is again a cover, "Get It Together," which is Black Coffee, which is South yeah. African house. And I think that blend actually gives it a certain mood that works for me. And the other thing that I think really works there is that Drake's sort of somewhat egocentric narcissistic side or whatever like that just becomes dour when it's mixed with sonics that match it Mm. that was i think the main problem with views we were kind of sat here going well this is a concept album that's meant to reflect four seasons and it all feels like winter (laughs) but this actually has all those sort of like summery caribbean afro pop vibes used effectively as well and so there's a kind of subversion when he gets a little bit moany that it's like oh well He's moaning, but the track is a banger. This is automatically more interesting than it going full scale one or the yeah. other. It's, it's more interesting when he shows that self awareness. Though and he says something like, "You know, uh, you know, there's people out there who want me gone. Here's the kicker: if I go tomorrow, like I'll, I'll be even bigger." Yeah, like he actually yeah. when he starts properly rapping and he's actually kind of giving this it a bit. The, this is the sucks. frustration with Drake, where it's like, "Oh man, you seem to have all the fucking talents, all the tools, yeah. but you don't often put them together." And this one comes so close because again, it's just it's it's too it's too long. It's way, it's too, way long. too long. I mean, self editing needs to be on. This, this, this is three hours of Drake we've had but then hold the on hold months. on guys the point would be if this is a playlist I mean playlists are this long if not longer so you could be just you know I'd say a lot of the fans would just be like he's just sticking up free music who gives yeah, a but... you know so that's a point and I will say he does bookend it really well because Free Smoke yeah, is a hip hop banger and then Do Not Disturb is a really kind of nice you know state of it's Drake's great brain it's, it's like an old fashioned Drake classic like when he was just doing that stuff really well so there is hope for Drake on the subject of grime though I must say I, I consulted my grime guy <laughs> I've got a grime guy he's in London knows his stuff and because I subjected him his words to this album he offered me his thoughts so he said grime and to a lesser extent Brithop is making waves internationally grime artists top and charts playing all over the world picking up awards being used in advertisements and Drake has seen this he is an astute artist and his collaborations are all carefully thought out so he's happy to be on trend now the more interesting part is how he's been largely welcomed in by the scene's big names if not necessarily by the fans Drake has links with BBK he's been found forging friendships with quote unquote credible grime acts as a much easier task than underground ones so he gets the best of several words as I said before he's on trend uh, he's accepted by Grime, which still somewhat looks up to big North American stars, which mm-hmm. will tie into what Craig was saying about, or Colin was saying about the six. And, you know, even Kanye at the Brit Awards kind of revitalized the genre and brought it to mainstream attention. Well, yeah, gave it the, yeah, shot a spotlight When he did it all day and Grime artists with him in a tremendous stage performance that we all enjoyed. So, yeah, I mean, like, my friend here, his take is that Drake genuinely is being influenced. I like, by the way, you keep, in like, putting this inflection on friend that <laughs> makes it sound like you're reading your own opinion. <laughs> no, no, no. My genu- friend says... Uh, shout out to Reese. It's my friend Reese. Uh, <laughs> he said uh, he genuinely probably is being influenced by the guys hanging out with, and, you know, his home country does have seen it on its own. So it's like... Yeah, but, like, I mean, we discussed not- Sampha and the sort of toys that he has with him before. Um, as cynical as next size as it seems to be, there might actually be a genuine attempt here to diversify. Is that the right word? Yeah. Or, yeah, you know, and strengthen. But there's yeah. still the feeling that he's a bit of a vampire, and that he's a bit of a like, what's the next trend? He's kind of a well, bit yes, like that, you the, know. That's the that, that's the dichotomy. That, that that's the kind of weird double-edged sword here, where it's like, and again, I think that kind of works for this as a whole because 
the dichotomy for me as a listener is, holy shit, man, half of this is pretty good. Yeah. And yeah. the other half is annoying the fuck out of me. Yeah. And also, the, you, the more it goes on, you just get lost, to be, not you, in the best kind of to, way. To be honest, you, I get, I, I, you I, lose track of yourself. I wouldn't go so far as half of it annoyed me. There's probably about a quarter of the album that I like actively didn't like. But from there on, I would genuinely be pushed to start picking out tracks to make this shorter than, say, 14 or 15 songs. I mean, I'll do it, but it would be hard. I'll do it for you, buddy. No, it would be a lot harder to do than it was with Views, where you could quite happily just pull a machete halfway through and go, doink. Half a year with Drake. (laughs) Do machetes make a doink noise? Hey, you were in the jungle, you told me. you chop them (laughs) on. (laughs) <laughs> There's so many shadows when you're on ayahuasca. Scores, guys. I'm gonna go. I mean, this is like a seven for me. Oh, cool. Yeah, I, I think six and a half, seven. <sighs> okay, come on. Five. If you like half the album and don't like the other well, half, yeah. that seems very <laughs> That's fair. True. I just um, don't feel tight having to listen to all of it ever again, so yeah. I can just pick and choose. Uh, from 22 tracks to six, we should give a quick mention yeah. to Anonis' uh, new release, uh, an EP called Paradise. It sounds like this. You didn't email her. I did. Did you? Yeah. Did you get a response? No. Did you get the track? Oh, oh that's devastating on a spiritual my, level. Clearly my hopes for the future are not enough for now, Yeah, hold on. We have to fill in the listener because essentially this is six songs, but actually the full EP is seven. And Anony decided to hold the last song back unless you emailed her um, with your hope for the future or what was it? Your, or something you really care about. Really a couple of sentences. It, yeah. it couldn't be about her music. Yeah. So we all said last week we would do this. I forgot. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, Dave forgot. Yeah. Colm, you did it. Well, I kind of forgot until I did it. Maybe, maybe I just did it too late at night and she just looked and went, oh, he's <laughs> drunk. Yeah. What time is it in Dublin? <laughs> Either way, yeah. Uh, we just have the six tracks yeah. to go on. Um, and a fine six they are. A fine six they absolutely are. I mean, this was a return of Hudson Mohawk and yeah. is a little bit... Neotrix part. Yeah. yeah um, never. But so... Like, this felt like a continuation of Hopelessness. Yeah, it did. Like, like if this had been re-released with, like, bonus tracks or kind of a bonus CD or whatever, it wouldn't have felt disjointed. Yeah, I I don't know what I was kind of... I think I was expecting... Maybe it's just because it was called Paradise. I didn't see the irony in it. And I was just like, oh, she's going to, like, switch it up, go in a different direction. No, this is very much from the same... She's It's very much from the same mindset. She's gone grime. And, yeah, I loved their kind of collaboration. I didn't think it would quite work because, you know, that voice and then those kind of you know harsh electronics at times yeah. um, I think it's maybe a bit more jarring in places on this not in a kind of maybe totally intentional way yeah. um, like it doesn't all fully fit together it really hits a kind of turbulent moment at the midpoint but I think it comes through and again it's bookended really well like it's, Jesus Will Kill You for me hits a few bum notes that she avoided miraculously on the last record um, but then the lighter moments She Doesn't Mourn Your Loss 
Uh, in my dreams, I mean, Paradise itself is a very good. I like these tracks. Oh, Paradise is brilliant. Yeah, Paradise. That's Paradise. such a strong song. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say that the hopelessness had was completely devoid of bum notes. I mean, I think Obama is the kind of thing. But that, that was to, yeah, that was the you biggest that comparison. Song once and then you go, I'll take that off. Kind of works though. It works, but it works as in that kind of art installation it's, way, which is yeah, similar it's a sledgehammer. To but no, I think this is great. I mean, I, I think she can't really put a foot wrong at the moment. I, I, I think if you you know tasked her with making a bad song, it wouldn't happen because. Like you look back at the catalogue, Anthony the Johnsons and everything yeah. that she has been a part of and that she has done and everything from featured vocals to just her own work, it's it's just one of a kind and really fucking brilliant. Very prescient, the kind of stuff we need right now, and I say that as someone who every week I seem to say, Oh, protest songs, whatever. Yeah. But fuck me, this is great. I, yeah. I, like I mean like even like I, I love the way it opens. It opens with such confidence. The first track is like, you know, it is a build on a six track EP. It's also one of those kind of you know when you start a record or EP or album and like li- literally the opening track you're like, We're in safe hands, this is gonna be good. Absolutely, you're excited, yeah. 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 That's, That's one of these as well. And like I think you're right about the misstep as well. And like without being too cynical about it, I think she recognized is there's a limitation to these protest songs and a limitation to this sort of music that you know like you can give a call to arms but don't start trying to give a blueprint sure for instance mm. you know and that's what i quite like about this record that it, it it can traverse between like hopelessness as has been you know made quite clear and moments of genuine hope but yeah. doesn't necessarily strive to kind of like fill in that middle ground where i think is you'll probably trip up and I think because this is quite personal as well, I mean, there's a lot mm. of talk about, you know, her feelings on femininity and what that means positively for the world. I think because she brings it back to herself in a way that maybe she hasn't elsewhere, it kind of does, it means the other stuff isn't didactic. You don't feel like, it, you know, you're being spoken down to or whatever. Yeah. So and also very hard to achieve that without being outright pessimistic and depressing, mm. which neither of those things are here. I mean, you're still not doing the old summer barbecue route. No, but. you're not. Oh, no, to be fair, you could put Paradise on at a summer barbecue at the right time if everyone's a bit sloshed and they wouldn't realise because it has such they a, wouldn't realize it has such good like you know like propulsive electro elements going on remind like, me never to go to your barbecues why you gotta say that man <laughs> he's famed for his barbecues I'm known for my barbecues and my uh, you know playing the Velvet Underground your barbecue special K do you so hang on a second first of all that's just a really nasty thing to say for someone who quite enjoys uh, cereal uh, you know the greatest <laughs> food of all time second of all uh, are we not going to get the email that you sent her no you're not going to tell us no, absolutely not. What? Oh, did you go all out in terms of being personal? No, not particularly. Oh, but then, then there's no reason to not tell us. If, if she replies, I might. I might yeah. Die. Okay. How long was it? More than seven lines? Would Laura and Vula have been all right with it? <laughs> no. Uh, Twenty thousand words. Getting, no, it wasn't that long. We're getting nothing. Cracked a bottle yeah. of whiskey. Okay, and we're just getting nothing. Opened up from Cullen, but at least give us your score for this. Uh, yeah, this is solid eight for me. Yeah, eight as well, and eight for me. Cool. Okay. Uh, anything else this week, guys? Listen to. Uh, no. I've been listening to a uh, very good EP, uh, Conversations from Odoo. Do you know Odoo? Um, Irish artist. Uh, I think if you like kind of stuff like LaRue, uh, a bit of kind of glorious sin pop, oh, yeah, she's yeah, very yeah, good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. I didn't recognise the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she's yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've never seen her written down or, or said out loud. Her EP say. is on Spotify down. right now and it's really, really good. Like The songs are great. Yeah. So if you do lies, check that out. It's good. Very good. I have been listening to Slipknot. Uh, oh, of course, yeah. Volume 3, This is the Verses. Versus. Oh. Their 2004 Rick Rubin produced masterpiece of a record because I saw uh, Josh from that really good metal band from Galway, Elenkis 
who hopefully will be supporting the Dillinger Escape Plan if that if that fan run campaign comes off. He tweeted about it and he said he goes, "Oh, I'm unashamedly listening to this today." And I was like, "Fucking no shame, man. That is a phenomenal record." And I hadn't listened to it in a long time and yeah, it's brilliant. A uh, brilliant brilliant album by a band that, you know, should get more credit, I think, in the old critical press than they often do. So if you've never heard Volume 3 of Spindle Versus by Slipknot, throw it on. It might just surprise you. It's great. Now, something that surprised me this week, and I think it surprised a lot of different people as well, is that Dahi has gone a little bit techno. Now, Cullum. Yes, sir. Am I right in saying that you and Dahi have become fast friends? You guys watched the Super Bowl together. Yeah, we watched the Super Bowl together a couple of months ago. So yeah. did you, are, are you... Buddies. Can we credit you with uh, this new techno direction? I don't think I was the real contributing factor here, but, you know... Maybe I was in the back of his mind somewhere. We can we can ask him when we watch WrestleMania with him later this week. <laughs> I look forward to that. You know why? My Sunday night pay-per-view viewing with Dahi is just going off the hook. <laughs> you know right I'm looking there. forward to that? Because he once buried me at a festival. And oh, like, he did. Gloriously like, so. He gloriously got one up on me in a public interview. God and bless that man. like Maximus Decimus Meridius and Gladiator, I will have my revenge <laughs> in this life or the next. Well, we can report on that uh, after the event, but well, for now. He's got an EP coming out. It's called Holiday Home, and the title track is an instrumental song, as you might imagine, but it has a lot going on in it, including some Beron elements, because, of course, you know, mm-hmm. he, he likes to kind of bring in the heritage. And I, 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 was, I was really quite taken with this. I think it's very, very good work. So... My name is Dave Hanrady. Craig Fitzpatrick, Colm Regan, thank you so much for being here this thank week. Thank you. Cheers, bro. This has been No Encore. There will be no encore. Here's Dahi, and we'll let you know how we get on at WrestleMania, I suppose.
This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. So, Gavin Duffy, what's your favorite train journey? Still paying hundreds of dollars for prescription glasses? Let's change that. At Zenni.com, our factory direct model means no middlemen or outrageous markups. Just the same quality frames and lens options as the other guys for one-tenth the price. Zenni offers prescription glasses starting at $6.95, as well as affordable sunglasses, blue blockers, and more. The best part? Try any frame, anywhere, with our 3D virtual try-on. Visit Zenni.com today and change the way you buy glasses forever. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.